Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hi, this is Jordan Moreno, and this is The Valley Now, your weekly feel-good hour where we lift each other up with the stories of good people doing good things in your neighborhood. Every week, we'll be talking with community leaders who have a unique passion for our thriving city and those that make the Valley such a special place to live. Get ready to be inspired by the work they're doing, whether it's mentoring our youth, providing a platform for those without one, or just driving those worthy charitable causes. Listen in on the conversations and join us in raising our community. This is our time to shine, and this is The Valley Now. My guest today is the Executive Director of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of the Desert Region, LLS for short. Uh, But the organization I've worked with a number of times over the years, but never had the chance to sit down with you, Ms. Lisa Ball. Good morning. Thank you for being with me. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk all things LLS. I know. And I was I was sitting here saying like, oh, 30 minutes, we're going to be able to get through quite a bit. And you're like, oh, I don't think so. It takes us a year to onboard. So <laughs> we'll see how much we can get through. We'll dive right into the good stuff. Tell me about the mission of Leukemia Lymphoma Society and a bit about each of the pillars. Awesome. So um, thank you again for having me. So again, I could talk about LLS till I am blue in the face all day. Um, It's an amazing organization. And really at LLS, we focus on three main pillars. So the first is our blood cancer research. So we are currently the largest nonprofit health organization dedicated to funding blood cancer research. We partner with experts around the world to drive our research efforts till one day we will be able to say, we found a cure for all blood cancers. Um, So while we are making those major strides on the research front, there are still currently patients and families that are faced with the many challenges of blood cancer. Um, And so this is why our second pillar really focuses in on the patient support. Um, So I can go on and on about the dozens of ways we provide that support for our patients and caregivers. But for the sake of time, I just want to mention our amazing information specialist. So our amazing information specialist team, um, they're highly trained oncology and social workers, um, nurses who are available free of charge to assist patients through blood cancer treatment, financial and social challenges, and give accurate, up-to-date disease treatment and support information. So again, they are amazing oncology social workers and nurses. They are there free of charge for our patients and our caregivers um, to just really help navigate that diagnosis of a blood cancer. And last but certainly not least is our policy and advocacy pillar. Uh, Once we find a cure for all blood cancers, we want to ensure that there are laws and policies in place for every patient, regardless of race, gender, age, socioeconomic status, 
et cetera, to have that equitable access to treatment plants. Because at the end of the day, we find a cure and nobody has access to it. We, we didn't do our job. We're not done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to get in the hands of the people. I get it. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why our advocacy efforts are just so important to us as well as the research efforts. And, and so- you're a, a nationwide organization, but speak to the work that is specifically being done in Arizona, that impact, but then also speak to the need and some of those statistics of those that are living right here with us. Absolutely. So I mentioned our focus on patient support. And in addition to the information specialist, um, we offer peer-to-peer support locally, support groups, and food and nutrition guidance. Um, but due to the generous donations from local individuals and businesses in, in, in um Arizona, we can offer financial support as well. So uh, the financial support helps patients with paying their everyday bills, like utilities, mortgage, things like that, um, as well as some of their co-pays. And if they do have to travel out of state or or to a different geographic area for treatment, it helps support financially that aspect of things. So again, that's that's huge. And that's being done mainly. And that funds that are raised by those donors locally, that that funding does stay local. And so it's really helping, especially those underrepresented communities uh, or rural communities throughout Arizona. Um, another way we support our young pediatric patients is through our LLS scholarship for blood cancer survivors. So we know in Arizona, we've got some great universities out there and we have this LLS scholarship for blood cancer survivors for um, anyone who is diagnosed 25 um, at age 25 or younger, that can really um, apply for that scholarship. And if they're chosen, they can attend U of A, ASU, NAU. So it's, I love it's, that. It's great. It could be used also at vocational schools as well. So it, it's just, it's a great opportunity. And I will tell you, my my favorite thing is our advocacy efforts that we're doing in Arizona right now. So we have a real big focus right now going on in Arizona for some fertility preservation um, bills that are coming up, and as well as um, we just went to Washington D.C. Cool. with some of our local Arizona advocates for our annual uh, Dare to Dream Summit. It was the first of its kind. Hopefully, we can keep it going each year. But what we did was we brought um, two patients and one caregiver representing Arizona. So they're from Arizona. One is a pediatric survivor. Well, they actually are both pediatric survivors. One is still currently. Um, minor. So he's 17 years old, but him and his dad, as well as a pediatric blood cancer survivor joined us in DC for that dare to dream summit. And we went to members of the house and Senate and we advocated and we spoke to our local representatives to gain their support for the childhood cancer star act, childhood cancer data initiative, and the accelerating kids access to care act. So these were just really big initiatives that for patients in that pediatric space are going to be huge. And so it was really neat to, it, it was a life-changing experience and it was really neat to have uh, volunteers from Arizona getting to speak to their members of the House and Senate to advocate yeah. for these bills. Does that make you nervous at all? Because I am so non-confrontational. Like I, when you're like, oh, advocacy, you know, that's my favorite part. That is what I would not touch with a 10-foot pole. There's no way. So it, it takes a certain someone, and you really got to know your stuff, which I'm I'm certain you do, but 
good for you because that would never be me. <laughs> you know, it it was definitely um it was my first time doing it. So I'll be there's my vulnerable moment for you. Okay. First time joining our advocacy team in that in that space. And the whole summit, we spent the first day really prepping for it, learning about these bills, learning how to talk to members mm -hmm. of the House and Senate. And it was actually, I would say, more of a buildup of our own individual fears than what the reality of speaking to them is. They're people just like us. Yeah, they're they're here because we've elected them into those offices, and so advocating for something like our pediatric cancer patients was actually very easy. And getting, you know, there was not a single door shut in our face. There was not a single person that was looking at us going, oh, we don't want to hear about how we can better treatment for cancer patients that are right. <laughs> our children. So <laughs> it, it was actually, <laughs> yes, it, it, um, you know, and again, we gained lots of support and it was a great experience. And I will tell you the 17 year old volunteer that joined us in those efforts, he really ran that room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not a single <laughs> official that wasn't saying, you know what? I don't want to hear from the adults. I want to hear from our pediatric patient over here. Right. Let's and somebody it. that's been through it. He's, he's going through it. He knows, you know, what is important to someone who's in those shoes. Absolutely. And he, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And he wants to stay even after high school, stay involved and that's and cool. help make a difference. Very life-changing. Well, I, I want to hear more about the Dare to Dream project as a whole and some of those pediatric focuses. Um, because there's there's some very exciting, yes, on the advocacy side, but just the way that you are advocating, I guess, to approach childhood diagnosis is is really interesting to me. Oh, absolutely. So this is another one of those passion projects I love to hear and talk about um, where we're at on this project. So it's our commitment to our pediatric patients. So it's really our commitment to dedicating $175 million over the next five years to support global and collaborative re research and treatment for our blood cancer pediatric patients. We have our LLS pedal master clinical trial and it's also widening the range of free education and personalized support for pediatric patients and their caregivers, um, financial assistance boosting, um, and again, those advocacy efforts that we were talking so much about. But the biggest thing to think about is right now, pediatric patients, when they get a blood cancer diagnosis, their treatment plans are not approved for pediatric patients. They are actually adult approved treatment plans that it, when you think about the toxins and what is going into a pediatric patient, mm -hmm. they have lifelong effects. It's not just, oh, we cured the blood cancer and now they're fine. Those toxins can create major issues, damage to their organs fertility issues, things like that, that it's, it's not okay. And no. we can do better. I mean, mm -hmm. when you think about the resources in this, in this world, like we need to do better for our children and our pediatric cancer patients. And these toxins that were approved to be in adults and not in children should not, should not be an okay treatment for us to settle on. So it's really focusing in on how do we do better? 
How do we do better? How do we create better treatments? And how do we, again, have a cure? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't, we don't want to see anyone with blood cancer, let alone our children. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's an amazing project. It's a huge global partnership. And I, I can't begin to express how excited I am to see how this continues to flourish. So it's being funded a lot by individual donors, businesses. Um, and so it's something that anybody can help support it. Anybody can get involved. And we have some amazing Dare to Dream volunteer ambassadors that are uh, caregivers or parents who have had cancer patients, um, their kids face that diagnosis and really they speak a lot to their journeys. And unfortunately, some of them have lost their children and others' children are still going through it or have our survivors right now. So hearing some of their stories and the passion behind those parents in the Dare to Dream project is is amazing too. Yeah. And we were talking before the cameras opened that we both have young kids at home. And so to think about the impact when even just looking through your website, 80% of the kids who receive treatment are later affected by it. And it, I guess it makes sense, you know, in yes, of course, there's going to be those lingering effects that you're pumping yourself full of toxins. But I guess it just saddens me to think that that is the reality and that we are, we've made so many leaps and bounds and medical advances, but that that's still the treatment for kids. And so the, it's it's just saddening to me. Oh, absolutely. I, I think every day I have a two-year-old daughter at home and I just look at her every day when I hear patients that I come across and they talk about, you know, their toddler was running around until one day something didn't seem right. And I, I couldn't even imagine being in their shoes. I could not even fathom. I mean, I hear stories every day from parents, but at the same time, you always have that little bit of you that thinks, okay, it won't happen to me. It won't happen to me. But the reality is a blood cancer diagnosis can happen to anyone, regardless of age, race, gen any of it. It doesn't, it does not discriminate. Cancer does not discriminate. And I, I feel for every single parent and out there who has had to navigate that, yeah. that diagnosis. Like I, I can't even imagine. Mm -mm. What, no. well, what did bring you to LLS in the first place? So it's, um, actually a pediatric, um, <laughs> patient is what brought me to LLS. So I actually used to be in a youth sports industry and I had a 14 year old athlete of mine who was just not, something was off. Like something did not seem right in practices. And I kept saying, I don't, you know, he looks a little jaundiced to me. Something's not right. I've never seen him like this lethargic struggling through practices. So I approached his parents and, um, Shortly after approaching his parents, he was walking down stairs for breakfast and he collapsed and right, it got rushed to the hospital and it's a few blood tests and tests later, he um, got that AML diagnosis. And I remember getting the phone call that night and going to the hospital and he had already 
had his first round of chemo and him looking at me and saying, don't worry, coach Lisa, I'm not going to let you or my team back down. I'm going to be back before the season starts. And I'm just looking at him going, are are you, are are you kidding me? Like (laughs) you just got diagnosed with cancer and you're worried about your team and letting me or your team, like, this is not what I need you. Like I need you <laughs> focused in on getting better and and what's ahead in this fight. And you know he went through five rounds, and in his fifth round of chemo, he ended up um, getting pneumonia. And they prepped us that he pretty much it wasn't looking good. And um, you know, I was thinking, how in the world am I going to tell all these kids on his team mm-hmm. that this news? And three weeks later, he actually ended up taking the stage with his team. Still had, <laughs> his, in. Um, still had his port in and he took the stage. Of, of course, he couldn't do much, but he got out there. Um, and it was just, it was such a life altering experience for me. And I was in the youth sports industry for years. Um, And when I decided I wanted to make a career change, there were two organizations that I used to work really heavily with. Uh, One was a rescue mission and the other was LLS. Mm -hmm. And I became involved with LLS shortly after his diagnosis. We started doing the light the night walk with my organization. And it was a no brainer for me. It was, I saw this operations role open with LLS and I said, you know what, this is meant to be, this is where I want to be. And this is where I'm supposed to be. That's such a good story. Does he know how much he impacted you? Like this is your whole career. You're now the executive director <laughs> of the organization. <laughs> Does he know? Oh yes. Yes. We, we still keep in touch. Yeah, that's, that's life-changing. That really is, you were not in the medical field weren't necessarily looking for a career change. And this one person changed you. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a very firm believer in things happen for a reason and people come in, in and out of your lives for reasons. And I think that I am right where I'm supposed to be. Um, And I think that I was guided there through him. And yeah, I, I don't regret it at all. I don't regret taking that career change at all. I think the work that LLS does and the work that um, I do and my team does it's it's groundbreaking it's life altering it's it's meaningful and I I've been part you know before as an entrepreneur being partnered with lots of nonprofits and this is just one that really has always you know just hit me right <laughs> right in the heart of <laughs> this is where I'm supposed to be yeah. And is that what keeps you going every day through the tough times, through the challenging times, the ups and downs? Is it that sense of purpose that keeps you going? Yes. And it's also, I, it's the patients and the caregivers, mm-hmm. you know, you hear so many ups and downs of stories of people who have lost individuals, people who are currently battling. Then you hear those great survivorship stories. And at the end of the day, there's things in there that people don't talk about. You know, everything's about the cancer struggle, but there's also another layer of the financial struggle, mm-hmm. the psychological struggle. That it's not, it's not just a 
health battle. There's, there's so many other struggles, the relationships, the things like that, that it's just like, I feel I can be such a strong support system to people in that space that, um, again, I, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I, I think that's what keeps me going more than anything is just knowing that the difference that we're making uh, as an organization, as an, as individuals, and just being able to be there when right. people have, you know, this big cloud over them of a cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Of those struggles that you mentioned, which challenge, or maybe there's a few, would you say that maybe the the general population doesn't know about and what would you want to bring to the forefront uh, that would be a struggle you know that goes beyond just what's physical yes maybe your hair is falling out but something that you've learned in your time dealing with patients and caregivers that the average joe might not really take into consideration i i would say the financial hardships that people face is is astronomical Um, But I think the psychological, you know, I send out emails regularly to anybody who donates anything to our region, regardless if it's a dollar, they get an email thanking them. And I got a response back from a gentleman who just happened, he followed me on LinkedIn, didn't didn't know this individual, it doesn't even live in Arizona or any um, of the states, the region that I cover. He actually lives in New Jersey. And he just saw my post for life night on my LinkedIn and he donated $25. I sent him a thank you email. And he responded back that he was just recently diagnosed and he hasn't, he has no family. He has Mm -hmm. no family, no support system around him. He felt very, he's feeling very isolated and very alone. None of his co-workers or friends understand what he's going through because they've never faced it themselves or they've never been a caregiver to somebody who's faced it. And he just happened to come across my profile, followed me, saw my post and donated and just talking back and forth with him and getting him connected with our information specialist and our resources and things. It was just, again, how many people like him are out there that just have that, that alone and isolated and not knowing where to go. And then when we think about rural communities, that individuals who don't have the economic, the socioeconomic resources to get to major hospitals or cancer centers and things like that, I think that to me is is the part of LLS's work that's so important and a lot of people don't think about mm-hmm. is rural communities people who are alone, people that don't have a support system, like that is a huge psychological element in, in survivorship and, in, in life after. Blood mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, something that I think is so impactful is the community that you all have built, whether it's rural or in our, in our backyard, I've really grown to admire the way that you do keep those that have either gone through treatment or they've been a caregiver or just touched LLS in some way. You really do keep them involved, whether it's the visionaries or the light, the night, you have all of these community ambassadors 
that drive some serious change and raise funds. They're out driving the mission. I really appreciated that, uh, just that connection that it's, you can tell it's a genuine connection. How can those that are in the community listening and wanting to get involved, what are some of those opportunities that they can be more involved with LLS? So I love that. And you mentioned, and I know I've mentioned our Light the Night Walks. Um, If you've never been to one, I highly recommend just attend. Just Mm -hmm. attend one and see it for yourself. I mean, you will be a lifelong supporter after seeing the impact that those walks have on individuals. So we have those in Phoenix and in Tucson. Um, So in Arizona, that's where we have those located. And then you also mentioned our student visionaries and visionaries of the year. So obviously people can absolutely get involved in those. Those are philanthropic challenges to raise awareness and funds for our mission. So they're either seven or 10 weeks where everyone just, who can raise as as much money as possible? So it's a really fun fun way to raise funds. But I know we've talked about advocacy. Uh, Anybody can be an advocate. So we have this phenomenal setup of where you can be an advocate and text and immediately to your uh, representatives and be up to date on bills, things like that. Um, We have our patient support team. So I know I mentioned some of our uh, resources is that peer, peer support. So we have this amazing program, like our peer-to-peer first connectors. And those individuals are people who have gone through um, a blood cancer diagnosis and they're connected with other patients. So they can actually be a peer-to-peer. So similar diagnosis, similar age, things like that, where people are partnered up and it's an amazing, amazing program. Um even our scholarship reviewers, you know, I mentioned our LLS blood cancer scholarship. Those are volunteers who review those applications and decide our winners. So those aren't staff that are deciding that. That's all volunteers putting putting those scholarships in hands of blood cancer survivors. Um, and again, like even if you're an intern, things like that, um, become a sponsor or donor. I mean, any anybody, a dollar makes a difference. Uh, so again, there's so many different ways to become involved. I, I can't even get into even the non-financial ways you can get involved or endless as well. Um, but the best place to get started on trying to figure out like what fits best with you is visiting our website. So that's LLS.org um, slash volunteer. And if anything sparks your interest, you're seeing anything like our team is happy to connect with you to just really dive into what those opportunities look like. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, that seems like a great place to start. A dollar makes a difference. And you might even hear from Lisa Ball herself. <laughs> you will for sure, no matter what donation level you get, is, you get a wonderful email. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And you're doing some great work out in the community. You guys are, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And um, again, I could talk all day about all things LLS and I, anybody ever needs anything, I am here. My team is here. Our organization is here for you. 
Awesome. We'll do it again soon. All right. Thank you so much, Jordan. All right. I want to give a very special thank you to my guests today. And I want to thank you for being a part of the program and making our community an amazing place, not just to live and to work, but most importantly, to play. You can hear The Valley Now on the radio with audio on demand on radio station websites and the Odyssey app. My name is Jordan Moreno. Shine your light, share your love, and join us again next week right here on The Valley Now. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.